This episode is brought to you by Tovito, the Jewish video streaming app that parents call a lifesaver. With Tovito, I'm confident that when I give my kids video time, I'm giving them content that aligns with my family's values in a safe space. Whether it's because you're traveling with your kids, they're home from school while you're trying to get ready for Passover, or you just want to reward them with movie night, Tovito is there for you. And now you can claim 15% off the annual subscription using the code JMM at checkout. That's only $84.99 a year to access videos you approve of and that kids love. My kids rave about Tobito, and hey, I do too. Go check it out at Tobito.com. That's T-O-V-E-E-D-O.com. And use the code JMM at checkout to get 15% off your Tobito subscription. Now, just in time for Passover, when the kids will be home or you'll be traveling, download Tobito for kosher entertainment that will keep the family happy. Claim 15% off with the code JMM at Tobito.com. Jewish Money Matters, episode 319, Financial Wake-Up Calls and Leaps of Faith with Cost Segregation King, Yona Weiss. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry, to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. When your income increases, don't increase your standard of living, rather increase your standard of giving. Knowing that this has really been my perspective. All of all the money I'm making is really, it's from Hashem. It's all mm-hmm. from Hashem. So therefore, if I'm making more of it, if Hashem has decided to give me a lot more, that means that I should be giving a lot more to Tzedakah. I should be giving a lot more to charity. It's not for mm-hmm. me to spend. I'm, I'm just a steward of that money. And so for me, that's been a huge foundation from the very, very beginning, whatever mm-hmm. I could do, and to study and to learn about the laws of, of Tzedakah, of charity, mm-hmm. and to learn more about how I can go about doing it in, in more ways and how to develop and establish different uh, kind of channels of of charity and charitable giving and things like that and help out more people. You just heard from cost segregation King Yona Weiss giving us, well, some pretty wise advice right there. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. You're about to get to know my guest, Yona Weiss. Not only is he the king of cost segregation, but also the host of the podcast, Weiss Advice. So yes, we learn about cost segregation and how it can save real estate investors hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes. But if you're not into real estate investing, stay with me because this episode is for anyone who's struggled financially on some level. And haven't we all? Yes, this episode is not about real estate as much as it is about facing financial challenges, taking leaps of faith, being entrepreneurial, not just entrepreneurial, the challenge of wealth and more. Here's the wise Yona Weiss. Yona White, welcome to Jewish Money Matters. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Pleasure is mine, or at least equally, because uh, great to be on the show. I love the show. So thank you for inviting me. Thank you. And thank you to my husband for the introduction. He was the one who, you were a guest on his show, the Gate of Trust podcast. He did a great job. And then we were in conversation. I was like, oh, yes. He's like, yes, you must have Yona Weiss on the show. You're the cost segregation king. You're the host of Weiss Advice. So I'm really looking forward to get some Weiss Advice for my audience from you. I'll do my best. You know, let's start with cost segregation. Um, We're not going to get too deep into it, but it's such a niche um, area of real estate. Why don't you give us some highlights? What is actual, what is cost segregation? You're absolutely right. It is a niche area within real estate. So real estate in general is a, you know, for investment properties, we're not talking about your personal residence. There's a special tax deduction that anyone who owns a rental property or commercial or business property gets to take, that's called depreciation. And so Mm -hmm. you've probably heard of this depreciation. What consegregation is, is just an advanced form of that depreciation deduction. So it actually allows you to take larger amounts of those depreciation deductions in the earlier years of ownership. So Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a very, uh, as I was, like you said, a niche kind of service for commercial real estate owners, but actually is one of, one of the key factors for, I mean, I'd say, you know, tens of thousands of real estate owners, investors 
to help to reduce their income tax liability to, to essentially zero. I mean, you have people who are building wealth through real estate and at the same time doing it in a tax-free environment. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And you get to help people with that. You became the king of cost segregation. Now, we have to start with the, from, from the beginning because your career journey is not the typical career journey. In fact, I understand you weren't really a real estate expert. You weren't a cost segregation expert. You weren't even in the working world or in the business world for about, what, 12 years of your adult life. So take us to the very beginning. What were those 12 years of your adult married life like? What changed? What led us, what led you to the career in now? Because, and the reason I'm asking is because I know in your story, we see the hand of God so evident, and we also see the application of your trust, your bitachon. So there's so many things that we can highlight throughout the journey. So why don't you take us there? I appreciate that. It's so true. And everyone has this. And really, I think the the most important thing is you know, really to open your eyes to mm-hmm. that hand of God that you're talking about and seeing the process. And as you mentioned, I actually spent... Um, the good part of, of my adult life, teaching and learning. I was in Kolel and Yeshiva for many years. Uh, in fact, 14 years before I actually had went, ventured off into what they call, you know, the business world or whatever you want to call it. And it wasn't because I really had interest in, in anything besides <laughs> for, for learning and, uh, you know, just being a part of the community that I was in. I did start a nonprofit during that time. I did, you know, teach and I had, you know, some sort of, I guess you wouldn't call it like a business world, but I was, you know, making ends meet to a certain extent, although mm-hmm. simultaneously had a, a large amount of debt that mm. that really held me back from, you know, from leaving kind of my comfort zone of of doing anything different. So, but but again, my I didn't grow up with any sort of financial education, uh, uh-huh. any, any sort of, you know, we were always taught, you know, I, I got my first job when I was like 14, you know, part-time job, because we were taught that if you wanted, you know, money to spend, you'd have to earn it. You'd have to work for it. So I did have that work ethic, but I was never kind of taught, well, how to, how to use that and how to spend it or how to save it or invest or anything like that. So mm-hmm. it was really only until uh, I'm like about 14, 15 years into my marriage around 35. So, or even a little more where I was faced with um, some decisions in my life that I need to make. There were, you know, unfortunately some situations came up in our personal life that made it difficult that I could really know why I, or at least I saw the hand of God telling me, you need to make some changes. You need to do something different because the current situation, it, you can't just, you can't keep it up. And mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to have some mentors and to have people in my life that, you know, rabbis and counselors, people that I could turn to for advice. And the common theme was, you know, you, you should really, uh, you know, seek out some some way of, of earning, you know, a much greater uh, parnasa, a greater mm-hmm. amount of, of living so that you can be there for your family and be there to, to make sure that, you know, a situation like had occurred to me wouldn't occur again. So are you, are you suggesting that there was some sort of financial challenge that was kind of a wake up call and you said, Oh, maybe God is trying to tell me something. <laughs> there, there was, it was actually a financial challenge. It was a medical challenge, um, uh-huh. but that basically put, put me out of the ability to, to really focus on anything else. So I couldn't even work. I, I couldn't spend, you know, I couldn't do what I was doing before and uh, I couldn't be in the yeshiva or the kola where I was receiving a stipend. And it was just something that I realized, okay, I don't have any support. I didn't have any mm-hmm. financial support from family at the time. So it was really like, okay, however much we're making, this is it. But now when that, when those avenues are cut off and you're faced with a decision um, and because of the expenses that incurred through that medical challenge that I had, I put myself in tens of thousands of dollars of more debt than right. I had, had had. And I knew that I needed to do something differently right. than I was currently doing to get out of that. Right, right. And, 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 you know, you mentioned it because you mentioned that the debt held you back. You just said, do something different. And sometimes we have to do something that's radically different, right? And it sounds like that's what it was for you. Well, I had no idea what that was. And that's the funny thing. Like, I, I knew that I had to do something different. So I basically just opened myself up to opportunities. And this is really where I saw the hand of God more than anything else, the Ashkacha Pratit that we mm-hmm. talked about, where I just, I put myself out there. And oftentimes that's what you need to do. You just need to tell friends, acquaintances, you know, family members, it may be difficult, but say, Hey, listen, uh, 
I'm looking for an opportunity. I'm looking maybe for a new job, a new career, a new path. I knew I didn't want to have any sort of formal education, any more of that. You know, I was right. already in my mid thirties. I, you know, to, to my, uh, at least to my perspective, I had spent, you know, a, a decade and a half learning full time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I really wasn't interested, even though I did have a college degree, I wasn't interested in going back to that of any kind. So I knew my options were limited. And so I just focused and honed in on, well, what are my options within that area where I can, mm-hmm. number one, have a career or have something that I could do that does not require more formal education. And at the same time, maybe has, uh, you know, unlimited potential mm. for income and mm-hmm. real estate kept coming up from all the people that I spoke to. I spoke to friends and there's like, oh, this person was doing fix and flips and this person was in commercial mortgages and doing things. And I was just like, I don't know the first thing about real estate, don't know the first thing about commercial real estate, but I'm open and I'm open to mm-hmm. learning. Mm-hmm. So two things you just, just came up on what you were saying. One, the vulnerability to be able to say, listen, I- I'm, I'm out there. I'm looking for an opportunity. What do you know that you think it could be a good fit for me? Like those conversations can be uncomfortable and people can feel really vulnerable. But like you said, it's important to, to do so. And then the idea, well, I don't know what this is, but I'm open to learning it. 100%. And the first thing you said there is so true, just to reiterate, it was extremely uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. especially from someone like me, like my whole life and my whole uh, existence was in, in Torah and Torah. learning. And, right. uh, you know, I was a, a rabbi for all intents and purposes. And I was spent all my days and nights, you know, mm-hmm. learning and teaching and, and to do something different was, you know, I, I felt like, oh, would people look down on me? Would my community, mm-hmm. you know, look to me like, well, what are you, why are you doing this different? But I, but I knew that I had to make some changes. And I knew that the, there wasn't a contradiction. I think oftentimes we feel, especially in the Torah world, we feel like there's a contradiction sometimes between working and learning, or Mm. I want to do both, or I want to do some. And the truth of the matter is, um, you know, we are meant to be involved in this physical world in so many ways and to use it and to elevate it and to make it holy and not Mm -hmm. to just, you know, sure. It's amazing to, you know, to sit in, and learn all day and to teach. And that's necessary. But at the same time, there are, you know, things that we can do in the business world that, that can not be done if you're sitting in the base measure all day. I mean, mm-hmm. Koshin Mishpat, mm-hmm. for example, one whole section of the, of the Shulchan Aruch is, is dedicated to interpersonal business transactions. Right. And, right. and, you know, I was learning that at the time and I was like, okay, well, this is, it's all kind of hypothetical <laughs> to mm-hmm. me. You know, we learn Orachayim, we learn the things that are our daily things, and it's very practical. People like to learn it, right? You learn about the the, the laws of of learning and, and davening and tefillah and and uh, and brachot. These are things that happen every single day. But when, you know, in the holidays, those are really important to learn. But when it comes to Chosh and Mishri, it comes to things that are business dealings, most people who, uh, you know, even in the business world, aren't very well versed and familiar with that. And to mm-hmm. me, it was, it was the opposite. I was learning and I was like, well, this is very hypothetical and not practical to me. And then when I had the opportunity to, uh, you know, to take it on basically uh, head on, it was totally eye-opening because it gave I me an opportunity that. to serve God in yeah. a way I'd never had before. Right, 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 right. I, before we get onto how the story moved on and, and the, the first opportunity, the first few opportunities presented themselves, what was your, what were those conversations with your wife like? Was she, did she struggle with the uncertainty? Was she okay with, you know, having some of the debt uh, up until that fi- bigger financial crisis? I'm saying, you know, that was like a big right. wake up call. Okay. We have to do something. I get that part. But throughout the years where you're learning, she's presumably, I would think, contributing somehow to the household expenses. What were those conversations like? Did the, did the financial worries ever come up? They did. It, they did, certainly. Um, we didn't discuss finances that much, um, mm-hmm. to be honest. It was just something I, I didn't really put too much thought and, and effort right. into. And, um, and yeah, we had expenses. Uh, she did work uh, in various forms throughout our, uh, our married life at that, that point. Uh, never anything full time, but she was definitely contributing and was very supportive of whatever mm-hmm. I was doing. We live an mm-hmm. extremely frugal lifestyle, and uh, and 
have a mindset where we're not really interested in luxuries, neither of right. us. And so right. it was we never had major expenses at any point, obviously food and education and you know housing, all the those, basics. Those are big in the Jewish world. Those are big. This, <laughs> this can be big, but, but, you know, there are, we were never caught up in, uh, you know, kind of yes. keeping up with the Joneses or, or anything like that. So we didn't have like extreme, uh, you know, ideas for, for buying things or having luxuries and things like that. So it was more manageable. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to something that you mentioned because we were just having before your company, we were having this conversation about you could feel like, you know, your whole world was Torah and it can feel uncomfortable. It's almost like we can maybe feel like, oh, is this a failure on my part? But I think the way you explained it, it's like, no, this is actually exactly what God wants me to be doing. Um, He's just redirecting me. There's a time in my life where I needed to be focused in this way, but Hashem gave me this, this challenge to redirect me on a higher level of serving God. And you mentioned something beautiful, which is you had mentors. Um, What were, what were those conversations like? How did they push you? Um, to to manage the discomfort, to re to rethink what could be think as a God forbid a failure. What was that like? It's such an important point, and it's it is a little hard to kind of go back and to think about what those conversations were, you know, all these years ago. But it was, you know, to me, that, like you said, there was that uh, kind of feeling of of failure or feeling of you know maybe I'm doing something that I, wrong or, or maybe I should continue to struggle in what I was doing until now and and having those conversations with uh, my rabbi, with people that I trusted who could give me a little bit more objectivity. So important. One conversation in particular strikes me with a gentleman who I was close with uh, who was, you know, in the business world. He is, uh, you know, someone who had been, you know, financial in the financial industry, uh, you know, uh, mutual funds, I believe was his main occupation for, for, you know, 30, 40 years. And someone had been, you know, very well-versed and Mm -hmm. someone who I I considered, you know, financially successful. And at the same time was a very committed Jew and very, uh, you know, person who, who I looked up to in that regard. And, uh, and we had a conversation and he basically told me that, you know, I didn't have a choice. (laughs) Like Mm. I had to, I had to work things out and I had to figure something out, but, you know, to, to be open to opportunities and just try out a few different things. That's basically Mm -hmm. what he told me. He said, Mm -hmm. you know, Think about what interests you or what opportunities are out there and try out a bunch of different things. You don't have to commit to anything. You don't have to say, oh, this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Just see what opportunities are there. Try it out for a little while. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay. You know, go back to the drawing board and see what else. Nice. And that to me was very eye-opening because I thought like, oh, I had to like pick a job, pick a career path. And like, that was it. And I, I literally yeah. like, I tried out a bunch of different things at that point. And, and I went back to him a few times and he was actually very, you know, continuously very supportive of that. I like that advice because it really relieves the pressure. Like, we don't have to commit for life to anything. <laughs> and, and so, so let's go to the opportunities. Um, so wh- how did you end up in cost segregation? <laughs> yeah, right. Now you're yeah, testing like- things out. How did you end up in cost segregation? You know, it was it was a couple of years. So the first thing I did, um, a few different things, and I'll skip over some of those uh, random things that I that I was interested in doing. But uh, one conversation I had early on with uh, a good friend of mine, which again was this incredible hashkacha, was was this, you know, meeting a friend in the parking lot and saying, "Hey, by the way, uh, you know, if you if you know of anything, I'm open to some opportunity." And he said, "Well, it just happens to be, and there's no such thing as happenstance, right?" He says that it it just happens to be that, you know, he was a commercial mortgage broker, this guy, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. he had actually had a lot of experience in real estate. He owned some rental properties. He had done property management. It was in the family. He'd done a lot of things. And uh, and he was leaving the current firm he was working with, who had been with for a few years and was going to work for his uncle who owned like a, you know, a small boutique uh, financing company. And at that time, he was like, hey, I'm starting this new thing why don't you come and just learn from me? Just just come and hang out mm. with me in my office every day. And I'll teach you everything there is to know about commercial mortgages, about commercial real estate. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And I even remember that first conversation where he was literally like describing to me, you know, certain things that to me now are like, oh yeah, I take for granted. Like what's a cap rate? Like what's, you know, a loan to value, like LTV, all these acronyms throwing out at me. And I was like, what's a commercial mortgage? What does that mean that you can buy a property and you don't actually have to put all their money down? Like understood mm-hmm. for, uh, and all these things and refinancing. 
And I was like, okay, this is fascinating to me. Like, why not learn something? And I literally was sat this with for her. pay or you were just learning? They weren't paying. So you. It, it was, it wasn't a paid, it was basically like a, an internship. I would look at it more right. like, but it was paid in that if we, we ended up doing some deals. So we ended up, you know, brokering mortgages. And so anything that I participated in, I did receive a, a commission. Nice. Very nice. Okay. It did take a while until, you know, we got anything off the ground. But uh, but that was you know good to know. And so for me, it was literally about eight, nine months or so of just sitting with him in his office and learning the ropes. And so that was the first opportunity. Um, fast forward a couple, about I'd say a year and a half to two years after that first conversation with him, he had moved on. Uh, he had actually moved and you know, we, we weren't doing the same thing anymore for a while. And um, I was, again, looking for a new opportunity. Uh, I had done some some residential brokerage for a little while, also just dabbling my feet in that. And and then he had reached, I'd reached back out to this friend, the same friend uh, originally, and said, hey, if you know of anything, let me know. Mm-hmm. And he told me he had just run into someone else. Again, random. We would, we would call it, if we don't see it, if we don't see that it's really God's hand making things happen. It would just be a coincidence, right? Mm-hmm. I don't believe in that word coincidence, but right. people would see, oh, it's a coincidence. He happened to bump into a friend that he hadn't seen in a long time in a town he had never been to before. And uh, and they had both happened to be there. And uh, he was like, hey, why don't you, uh, this guy got a job working for this company, Madison. Madison's a huge commercial uh, real estate company in, in the States based in Lakewood. He was like, this guy just got a job. Why don't you reach out to him? Maybe they're hiring more people. Happened to be... Um, I had a conversation with this uh, with this mutual friend, and it was just it was a perfect fit. I didn't know anything about cost segregation at the time, but they were looking for someone in the sales and the business development, and it was something I could learn. And again, back to that idea where I was open to opportunity, I was open to to be uncomfortable for a little while while you're learning something new, mm-hmm. and again, also have that mindset. Well, if this doesn't work out, that's okay too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Now, throughout this journey, were you, did you have uh, uh, an obsession with the gate of trust like my husband does? Did you, were you a student of the gate of trust of the Sharabi Tachon? Not, no, not entirely. I mean, I had read it years and years ago, but, and, and so the principles were definitely fresh to me all the time because there's things that I live by, but it wasn't something that I had, that I had regularly learned. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until about a year ago um, where, you know, this new book was published or less than a year, like eight, nine months ago, uh-huh. when this new uh, version was published that I, that I reread it for the first time in probably, uh, 10, 15 years. Um, wow. but yeah, the principles were definitely there. The principles that I live by, um, of Bitachon were, were definitely there. Amazing. Amazing. So now you start with this, with Madison and they are your current employer. This is right. This is where you've built the world, the kingship <laughs> of cost segregation. It's been so, a, it's been a great ride, yeah. So I think it's important for us to to highlight now this part of your professional life because you work for Madison Specs, but everything that you do, Yona, suggests entrepreneurship, and I, I want to talk about that combination of being employed and being totally entrepreneurial at the same time. You've created a personal brand, which benefits yourself, but at the same time, you've tr- you've added a tremendous amount of value to your employer. Now, this is rare. Maybe it's not as rare, but it's it's something that everybody should be emulating. I don't care who your employer is. <laughs> so it let's is less talk common. about that. Yeah, it is less, less common. I like to call it um, like in intrapreneurship. Right. So it's it's something where you can actually be working for someone else, not necessarily own a company, but work with that entrepreneurial mindset and and do things in a way that are out of the box, do things right. that are different. Um, creating a personal brand, I think is so important. And I only really learned this almost by accident, uh, but it has been extremely uh, beneficial. And through this, yeah, Correct. I'm working for a company. It's, I don't own the company, which a lot of people actually uh, think I do. Which, which is, it's a great that's compliment. A, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, because just because of that branding, because, mm-hmm. and that's something that can be done through social media, just through, you know, being aligned with whatever it is that you are doing. Just mm-hmm. make that you know part of you know part of who you are, how you present yourself, so that people remember and connect you 
with whatever that your name and your persona with whatever that thing is. And so, yeah, I've been very consistent with building that over time and I've been given, you know, thankfully a lot of flexibility to basically right. do whatever I want. And so I can spend most of my days, you know, on social media and on podcasts and traveling, you know, to events and having my own podcast and investing in real estate on my own. And it's all because I have, you know, my focus is twofold. There's one, how can I add the most value to my employer, to the company I'm working for? And simultaneously, how can I add the most value to my clients and to the people who are, you know, who are essentially, you know, bringing in the, uh, the income to this company. Mm. And so when, when the focus is kind of twofold, and again, not so much thinking about myself. I think my focus is outward in those two directions, you know, kind of simultaneously. And then it all comes back. It all comes, you know, good. And so it's not, I wouldn't say it, this is something that can be done at every company, right? People. And I right. did have actually, I did have a lot of pushback at the beginning mm. um, for the first year or two that I was really focused on my style of, of, you know, business development, I had pushback because it is less traditional. It is right. something that we do things this way and our, you know, I don't see why are you spending so much time on LinkedIn or on social media? Um, and then as, as they saw the results, it was like, okay, do whatever you want, you know, like mm-hmm. you're, you're good. But, but at the same time, other people may try it and may not be as successful. So I do want to put it out there. It is something that is, you know, can be done, should be done. Um, but just again, be uh, be open to push back and be open to um, you know maybe not working out. And and you said you fell into this almost by accident. What what, what did you mean by that? I knew nothing about you know social media or mm-hmm. marketing or anything really for that matter. I mean, I had some background in sales through you know, the real estate that I had done before and the commercial mortgage things and stuff like that, but you know, social media, I had no idea. So I had a LinkedIn account for like, you know, 10, 15 years, because that's what everyone did. You that's what resume, we all did, right? <laughs> right. You, you, you connected with your people that you went to college with or people that you knew from wherever. And, uh, but one day when I was actually searching for, um, for someone's name and someone's company um, to, tr- to reach out to them and, you know, a reasonable uh, salesperson is trying their best to reach out in whatever form, whatever medium they can, whether it's through phone, right. through email, to try to contact a potential client. And so I was doing that traditional. And I would Google someone's name just to make sure this is the right person, right you know, company. And invariably, LinkedIn would come up at the top of that Google search every single time, hmm. literally like the first or second result. And so I would unfairly like log into LinkedIn and like, oh, this is interesting. Yes, this is the person, same company, same town, right? City that they're located in. So I would verify that. And, and then on the news feed, this was about five, six years ago, LinkedIn, and I learned, uh, you know, in retrospect that it had been purchased by Microsoft and was becoming more of a social media platform as opposed to just a resume and, uh, you know, um, headhunting or whatever you want to call it, recruiting platform. And I kept seeing stuff come up on the home feed as opposed to just articles that used to be shared all the time, just these articles that were not interesting. Right. I started people having like videos and someone like sharing some inspirational or motivational advice. And I was in sales, I was like, wow, this is really interesting. And I saw that. And I was like, well, if this person can do that, maybe I can try that also. And I literally just just tried. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe I can start doing this. And I came across Gary Vaynerchuk at that time, <laughs> like really interesting, uh, talking about marketing and talking about social media marketing. And I was like blown away by a lot of this. And that's why, like, like I said, almost by accident, because I was uh, you know, finding, using Google to find contact names for people and mm-hmm. then just going back to LinkedIn because that's where I could verify it. And then uh, it was more about uh, finding people than it was the social media and the marketing aspect of it. But that I I fell into and just tried it out and saw some results and just kept doubling down until, you know, it really snowballed until where it is today. That's unbelievable. So you, you, you said to yourself, well, why don't I try this out to let people know that what, what it is that I do? Sure. Yeah. And, you know, and then I found a pretty... Pretty easy, pretty quickly that, um, you know, kind of self-promotion that a lot of people use social media for is probably the least effective way mm-hmm. of using social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was, so I had to become creative in, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, and learning copywriting and learning marketing strategies and learning all these different methods. Um, but I picked it up little by little, just kind of by, by viewing what other people were doing and mm-hmm. copying, you know, and mimicking in my own style, what others who were successfully doing it. I'm glad you're saying this because I want to go back to something you said earlier about, I didn't want to go and get another degree. And so often we think we have to, and in my head, I'm like, uh, you have a pretty sharp mind. You've been learning Torah for 14 <laughs> years. I'm pretty sure you don't need another degree, right? And I think you've just proven that point, right? Like you're at the same time that you're learning a new industry, a new, very specific um, segment of that industry and the tax law and all those things. You're also teaching yourself how to market nowadays on LinkedIn, how to write, how to communicate, and then podcasting, which is a whole different, you know? Yeah. Um, so thank God you didn't go for the extra degree. <laughs> you could, you, you've proven that you could do it all on your own. <laughs> you know, it's all, it's all from Hashem. It's really true. It's not, it's not on my own at all. It's all from above mm-hmm. and, and through that help. But, but you're absolutely right. There's so much to learn. So I, I do have a you know passion for learning. And I do have, mm-hmm. I'd say, you know, people have asked me like, what's your superpower? If you can say what that is. I think one of those things is being able to learn and pick up new things and mm-hmm. integrate them and, and be able to teach them. And I think that's why podcasting is so much fun for me because it's, yeah. you know, essentially just like teaching. And, um, and so all of these things it really did come, I wouldn't say naturally, it became easier to me than mm-hmm. maybe for, for some other people might. Uh, that's what I think. But again, you don't need to have a formal degree. You don't need right. to sit in a classroom. I think that's what your point, y'all, that yeah. you don't need to sit in a classroom and get a degree to learn things. I mean, it's mm-hmm. all there. You just go to YouTube or you go to wherever and you can pick it up. You just have to be brave to try it out and embarrass yourself a little bit and just keep doing it. <laughs> that's right. Iterate and, and just keep doing better. Iterate. And- so, so Yona, at what time does the financial situation start start turning? When, when do you start seeing the wheels turn? It was, I mean, it did, honestly, it took a couple of years to really uh-huh. see, uh, see those things. I mean, I really had a lot of that debt still carrying on my shoulders uh, for a while. Um, but I saw a lot of potential in what I was mm-hmm. doing. And I saw that if I did continue down this path, it would change. And I really had that to know that, yeah, this is, this was a right path. This kind of this is where I'm being called right now to do. And I'm finding success in doing this and I'm getting great, you know, positive feedback from others Mm -hmm. in doing this. And at the same time, I was helping people and that's really what my passion was. So like, yeah, I'm, you know, helping, uh, you know, doing this service called congregation, but the way I viewed it was I'm helping people save taxes. And so I found that literally all day long, I was just you know, giving and helping other people. And so that's really part of my nature. And it really helped me to, uh, to continue down that path, even though I didn't see that I was necessarily getting, uh, you know, the monetary or the financial Mm -hmm. compensation that, that I thought I would be getting, but I did, again, I did see the potential. So it did take a couple of years, but thank God it has turned around. I've been able to, uh, you know, to learn more about investing along the way. And as I mentioned, invest in real estate, um, a lot since, Mm -hmm. uh, since I've been doing this. And the networking, I think, is probably the biggest thing because mm. the people that I've met, because the position that I'm in, being you know the biggest company in the country doing this conservation thing, I'm rubbing shoulders with some of the most successful real estate entrepreneurs and businesses in the country, you know, mm-hmm. in all asset classes, all over the place. And and because the way they view me is that I'm helping them save, you know, in in many cases, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars in taxes every year. They happen to like me for some reason. I, I don't know why. I wonder is. why. <laughs> <laughs> that so is just so awesome. It's been great. The networking and, and being able to meet and, and, you know, become close with these people has just been amazing. It's such a bracha. It's such a blessing that you ended up in a place that you liked what you're doing, that you were feeling the satisfaction. And like you said, even though you maybe the money wasn't huge at the beginning, but you still felt good about what you were doing. And that's such a big, important really piece important. of this. Yeah, that's huge. That, that is really important. I want to talk about the challenge of, we could call it the challenge of wealth or the challenge of financial success. In many ways, it's kind of twofold. Um, for so many, you know, when our financial situation changes for the good, two things could happen. On a spiritual level, it could be a challenge to one's humility on some level, right? That's the real test of wealth. 
um, and how we relate to God and as the source of the blessing. And on another level, on a very practical level, there's a challenge of, you know, a lifestyle creep that sometimes leads people to the same or even more degree of stress and worry than maybe perhaps they had before. As your financial situation began to change, Yona, how did you and presumably your wife with you face the, maybe we could call it, yeah, the challenge of financial success? How did you make financial decisions and choices to stay tempered in these two areas? These are two of like the most difficult challenges that I think right? everyone deals with. And uh, and you're absolutely right. I'd say part of the way that we dealt with this and, um, and continue to deal with this as you know time goes on is number one having a lot of those foundations of bitachon and having the right mindset from the beginning and so mm-hmm. spending you know, spending a lot of many many years learning and, and being connected to God through you know through real real ways not just you know going through action and a lot of people out there doing things not speaking down on anyone but having those real foundations of you know what am I what am I here in this world for like what right. are we here for and and knowing that you know, making money is, is a, is a blessing. It really mm-hmm. is. And knowing mm-hmm. where the source of that money is and and what it's to be used for, that's all a blessing. So to me, having those foundations were key. Now the, the creep that I, that I talked about, you know, we talked about earlier that we were very, very frugal and continue to be so. And the, so our financial or lifestyle creep has, a, it has not really increased very mm-hmm. much, uh, almost at all. And I think that's really important as well, because th- knowing that just because you're making more money does not mean you need to spend more money, right? Mm-hmm, However, mm-hmm. and this is a quote that I came across, I don't know who said it, it's anonymous. I've used this over and over again, and this is something I feel extremely um, powerful about. And this will kind of segue into what I want to talk about on this subject is that when your income increases, and again, this is an anonymous quote, but I'll take I'll take credit for it going forward. Um, but when your income increases, don't increase your standard of living, rather increase your standard of giving. Mm-hmm. And, and so knowing that this has really been my perspective, that all, all the money I'm making is really, it's from Hashem. It's all mm-hmm. from Hashem. So therefore, if I'm making more of it, if Hashem has decided to give me a lot more, that means that I should be giving a lot more to stock, I should be giving a lot more to charity. It's not for mm-hmm. me to spend. It's all from, you know, I'm, I'm just a steward of that money. And so for me, that's been a huge foundation from the very, very beginning, whatever mm-hmm. I could do and, uh, and to study and to learn about, you know, the laws of, of stock of charity mm-hmm. and to learn more about how I can go about doing it in, in more ways and, um, and how to develop and establish different, uh, kind of channels of, of charity and charitable giving and things like that and help out more people. And so when, when you're faced with that, oftentimes like, Oh, I made this, you know, X amount of good. Okay. I'll give my 10% to my, which is great. Which is awesome. And, and, you know, you know, everyone should be doing that. And if you're right. not that, I know that's a challenge that can be a very big challenge. And I heard from Iris Lodowitz, who's an extremely successful commercial real estate um, you know, mogul, really. He, uh, he told me that, you know, he, he taught all of his employees from day one, to give miser, right? If you make a dollar, give 10 cents, right? Sense. Don't say, oh, when I make, uh, you know, my first $10,000 paycheck, then I'm going to give. No, if you start now, you'll train yourself and right. you'll be comfortable with, with just giving that. So again, the miser, that that's very, if you're trained to do that, that can come off easy. And so when you start making more, it's like, okay, great. Now I can give more. The challenge becomes when you're dealing with that, that difference, right? When yeah. you're like, okay, my standard of living, right? We can, uh, you know, our budget or whatever it is, is X amount a month. And then anything beyond that, um, okay, I can save, I can invest, I can do that. But the charity, increasing that charity should be at least at, on the same amount as the other things of saving and investing. Because again, wow. where's that coming from, right? Wow. I love that. And I, I don't think anybody had put it so clearly on the show. And I so appreciate that, right? Because yes, the, the minimum is 10%. But can can you challenge yourself to just as you're going to take all the other prudent financial steps and and now start, now you've gotten out of debt, presumably, and you have enough cash flow to, you know, support your family and not be in debt and to save and to invest. That's all great. But can you increase your giving proportionally to that? That is amazing. And yeah. that's a level to aspire to. 
It is. And it's something that, again, I, you know, I've really felt this way from the very beginning. So it's been easier for me just to keep that in mind the whole time. Mm. And it is challenging. Believe me, right. you know, when, when, when you, you know, receive a huge, uh, you know, when you're receiving, you know, six figures or seven figures or whatever like that, that can be extremely challenging. Like, well, am I really going to give like six figures or seven figures to like, why would I never did that before? Why would I do that now? But mm-hmm. like, no, when it's coming to you and you know where it's coming from and right. you see yourself as just a steward, well, guess what? God's going to give you a lot more because he sees that you're doing well with, with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I truly, you know, heartfully believe that. Amazing. Amazing. And I guess related to this, I mean, this is so inspiring, but let's give people a little bit, even, even more inspiration because a lot of people struggle um, financially. They get frustrated. They get despondent. They get impatient with God. Um, you know, there are hardships. You, you know it. You experience it. Absolutely. They feel like they're not making enough. They work very hard. Um, what can? What else can we tell them um, other than obviously the beauty of what you shared with Meister? What any other words of advice to the person who's stuck there and trying to find their way and stay afloat financially? It is very difficult, and um, and I've been there, and I know what it's like, and, mm-hmm. and it is a real struggle to not make ends meet and to be in debt and to work hard and to struggle um, and really not know where, you know, where you're going to, I mean, I've been, I have no idea where I'm going to buy bread. Right. The uncertainty, right. Like total uncertainty. Like I can't even, I have to borrow money in order to like buy groceries. Like, yeah, my credit cards were were totally maxed out and, and everything else. But even, even that point, I mean, it's, it's embarrassing and it's hard. Um, but to know that, everything that happens, there's, there's a reason for it. And mm. oftentimes the struggles that we go through are exactly what we need to get us to a different point where, you know, to get us to a point where we can actually, um, you know, succeed and we can, you know, take those lessons because we've struggled because mm. we've gone through that at a later point, we can know how it feels and we can know how to do things properly. And, and another really important factor there is, you know, like I said, yeah, everything happens for a reason, um, but it's all for the good. And oftentimes we think, oh, why did this happen to me? Or why am I right. struggling with this? When in fact, it could be actually a huge blessing in disguise, right? Thank God, you know, yes, you know, people, if you have, uh, if you're healthy, you have a healthy family. Like those are things we often take for granted. Right. Um, and oftentimes we maybe struggle, and this is brought in, in many, many farm, like sometimes we'll struggle financially so that we don't have to suffer, um, mm-hmm. you know, physical or health, you know, harm. And so that's a kapara. That really is. That's something mm-hmm. that we need to open our eyes and say, thank you. Thank you, Hashem, for mm-hmm. putting me in this situation. And guess what? When you thank Hashem, right? That's what we say in Halo, we say, like, thank you that I'm suffering. Why are we thanking Hashem that we're suffering? We thank Hashem for our suffering because we know that that will get us through. Hashem says, oh, you're thanking me for while you're suffering. How much more so will you thank me if I give you, you know, goodness? And so mm-hmm. that's a real lesson. And as you said before, the struggle of wealth sometimes that people who are in that situation where they have, they have everything going for them seemingly, and mm-hmm. they're taking things for granted. Well, guess what? Those things can be taken away also at any time. And so having that right thoughtfulness and gratefulness and gratitude on a daily basis, oftentimes Hashem just wants to hear from us. Hashem yes. wants to hear our cries and, and hear what we're going through. And, uh, and, and that may be the only reason. Hmm. So it's what I'm hearing is if we can step out of the cynicism and the despondency and get into a place of gratitude and focus on the so much that we have to be grateful for that in and of itself can really open the pipeline to abundant blessings on all other areas in your life. Absolutely. So, so, so important. So beautiful. Yona, um, any, any, any wins that you want to highlight? We did a little bit of the, you know, kind of the failures, kind of like the challenges, but sometimes we have financial wins and they're not, they don't seem like humongous, but they're, they sound small, but for me, they're like quantum leap kind of thing. You know, like anything that comes to mind that you're like, you know what, this is a win. And maybe I haven't even celebrated it so much, but it could be things from even the way we start communicating with our spouse or the added charity that we started giving or any, any financial wins that we want to celebrate. 
you know, I think the only thing that really jumps out at me is the ability to kind of teach my kids differently than I, than I learned really. And so giving them a little bit more, at least a little bit more, but hopefully a lot more, um, just financial literacy and just understanding like my, my daughter uh, turned 18 recently, my oldest Uh daughter, you know, I gave her rich dad, poor dad to read. (laughs) So I mean, that's something that to me was extremely eye opening. Mm -hmm. And I know on my podcast, I ask people, right. What's one book that's given you a paradigm shift. And mind you, these are extremely, you know, successful real estate, you know, investors, many of them, you know, worth seven, eight, nine, 10 figures. And, um, invariably rich dad, poor dad is one of those books that right. changed people's life. And so I gave my daughter, it's just to, to get that kind of feedback and understand right. things and see things differently. So for me, that's a big win because yeah. it's, it's about planting seeds. Mm-hmm. And so we may not even see those wins whatsoever, but to know that we're planting the right seeds and yeah. having that emuna and on that we will get to fruition. We will see good things come out of that. That's yeah. really a big win for me. Yeah, I love that answer because really it 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 brings us back to this point where it's it's not just about us, right? It's about the legacy and educating our children. It, it, if if we had a challenge and we're growing from it, that's great. But if we're growing from it and we're we're changing the next generation, that's that that's like so important, you know. And I, and I see it with my kids as well. The way they've been relating to the way they relate to Meister, which it, which it just like for them, it's like so habitual. Like it, it's not a, it, it's never going to be a struggle because it's what they do. You know what I mean? From such right. an early age, I had a, a daughter who in the fifth grade was learning an economics lesson and they were talking about the stock market. So she tells her teacher, I'm not a stock investor. I don't buy individual stocks, but I have a portfolio of index funds. <laughs> she was right, by the way, but she was so confident about it. So calm. Like, I know why that happens. Like what, why that is, why I have a portfolio. It's so cute. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's very good. Yona, I like to, um, I like to wrap up the show with what I call Jewish money matter, fill in the blanks. And this is a part of the show where I'll give you an open-ended sentence and you'll finish it with the first thing that comes to mind. All right. Okay. We'll try. Okay. Again. When I give my sir or tzedakah, I like to give to people who ask. Hmm. Good. Good. And I want to highlight because people often ask me about this on the show about the fact that I always tell people have a separate MISER account, right? You want to make it easy on yourself. Mm-hmm. Just have a separate account where that money's there. And you know what? People ask all the time. The money's there. You won't even struggle because it's not going to impact whether you're paying your car loan tomorrow or your grocery bill because the money's, it's there sitting there waiting for the person who's asking. It's so true. And, and I'll just highlight what I mean by that in a little bit because oftentimes you don't even know who's struggling now it's a, it's a whole, it's a whole, you know, other level to seek out and masculine Dell, like the Shlokotish brings down, you have to think about and try to figure out who actually needs it before they come to you. But, you know, I had a friend, just a a quick example who, uh, I didn't even know, like he got a job running a coil and, and, you know, he's this great call. It's a friend of mine. I had no idea. I know he, he, and he was struggling financially and he got a job like working and fundraising for this colo. And, uh, you know, he came to me, I had no idea. It's a great call. I actually knew other people who were in that. And he was like, Oh, can, can you help support? I was like, sure. You know, thank you for asking. I had no idea right. that this was going to help him. It's going to help his job. It's going to help other friends. I didn't even know about it. So the, again, just if someone asks you, I see that's also, um, you know, that Hashem right. is, is sending this person to you. That's an opportunity. Right, right, right. I'd love to make more money because I can give more. Hmm. Something I wish I'd learned about money growing up is investing in real estate. Oh my gosh! Yes, I also wish I'd learned more about investing in real estate. <laughs> now, I didn't ask you before. Did you invest in your first property before you finished paying all that healthcare debt, or did that come like which came first? Um, it came. It it actually came first. Investing first. Really. Huh, yeah. you were bold. Very so interesting. So you yeah. got an opportunity and you put whatever money you could into that and you didn't take care of that debt um with that money right away. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it may have been more financially prudent to to try to, you know, take down some uh high interest, you know, debt, but you know, the opportunity it came around and uh you know, put a lot of sweat into the into the property and into that. So that was something that actually turned around quite well and um, 
yeah. I mean, I don't know if I would do it differently now. Uh huh. You don't know if you would? No, I don't think I would do it differently. Interesting, right? Right? Yeah, it was it, it was worth the risk that you took. Good for you. Good for you. Um, money, spiritual or physical? Both. Something I splurge on unapologetically is? Stucco. <laughs> good for you. And, and a good podcasting mic, maybe, you know? <laughs> no, I, I didn't even splurge. I don't even have, I don't have, like, I don't even have anything that I know of that is expensive. Like, <laughs> nothing. You I sound like think, my husband. <laughs> I can't even think of something. Like my Strymo, which is extremely expensive, the same I've had, you know, for eight, almost 20 years. Like, you know, good, good investment. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was going to ask you spender or saver, but I know the answer. <laughs> well, it's more like investor, not saver, yeah. but both. Okay. Today I'm gr- most grateful for health and family. Mm. Nice. Finally, I'm Yona Weiss and I believe Jewish money matters because. Because everything matters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everything matters. Everything in life matters. And money is just a way to get us closer to our purpose in life. Nice. Nice. Yona Weiss, where can we find you? I am on all, pretty much all the social medias. Like I mentioned, most active on LinkedIn. So you can find mm-hmm. me there. Um, but you uh, you can also go to yonaweiss.com. I didn't ask you this, but anything coming up in your career? Any, any, what's next? What's happening next? I mean, you're so active. You have your podcast. Any, any big moves that are coming up? No big moves per se. Uh, just still doing doing what I'm doing. It's, it's been going well, very successful doing it and enjoying it. Uh, I have been investing uh, as a limited partner in a lot of deals. And one big thing that will happen shortly is um, joining a, a company to do, not leaving the cost egg king work, but <laughs> joining a, a real estate investment company to do more actively investing. Nice. Yona Weiss, thank you so much for this insightful interview. I really so appreciate it. And we're going to put everything on the show notes so everybody could find you on LinkedIn and on your website. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And keep up the great work. Such an awesome podcast. Thank you. Thanks to Yona Weiss for stopping by. You can find him at yonaweiss.com. That's Y-O-N-A-H-W-E-I-S-S.com on his podcast, Wise Advice, and on LinkedIn, where he's very consistent with great content. Thanks so much for being here. I know you have so much to do and your time is precious. So I'm very grateful that you're taking the time out of your busy schedule to listen. If you're enjoying the show, it would mean the world to me if you took 20 seconds to leave a review on your Apple podcast app. That's one of the best ways that you can help this show, help other listeners find the show. You can also share the link to the show or to this episode via WhatsApp or text with someone you know would benefit from listening. I will be back here before Passover, so be sure to send in your questions if you want me to answer them at Yael Trush on Instagram DM or Yael at Yael Trush via email. Have a great week. 